Everybody hurts sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I'm great at singing, but we have an even better performer coming on today. Yes. The one, the only, John Clarence Stewart, man, from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and P-Valley most recently. Yes, you know him. You love him, of course. Simon, you guys know. Were you Team Simon? Were you not Team Simon? I was Team Max, but I loved Simon. I just wanted to get him sh- his shit together, and we talk about that <laughs> pretty hilariously. So. Exactly, man. It's a great interview. I think a lot of up-and-comers are going to love this, and a lot of people just going through life, trying to figure out what they want to do, and trying to figure out, you know, is it okay to step out of that box sometimes? And guys, it is. Definitely listen to this interview. You're going to love it. But that's later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. Oh man, welcome back. Episode 208 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, you guys know your host with the most. Myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Guys, before we tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast, comment below wherever you're listening or watching, and tell us what you think about the show. Leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people, definitely those who enjoy the entertainment news or people who are trying to break into the entertainment industry. We give them the tools and the knowledge to prepare themselves to be in the room where it happens and that's what it's all about man passing that torch on to the next person coming up and that's what us here at crazy ant media love to do be sure to follow at crazy ant media and at it cap podcast on social media everywhere yes but man oh man there's a lot of good stuff happening this week that we can't wait to talk to you about because one of our favorites is coming back to the mcu man oh man here's a little clue if you missed it he's the best there is at what he does. It's true. But what he does isn't very nice. Yeah. You know who it is. You know who it is. I can't wait to talk about that. And I mean, he's got a great name. I'm just saying. I mean, he's he got, does. He does have a great <laughs> name. But before we get this thing started, guys. He's got both your names. Both of them. Yeah, exactly. both. Hey, comic book geeks know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Okay. Before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyandmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy and Media gear. We got shirts. We got hats. We have everything you need need for this upcoming holiday season yes and we do have sales going on so be sure to follow us at those places i just told you so you can know when those sales are happening so you can stay prepared with everything going down here Mm. at crazy ant media but something that's been very interesting at disney just going down (laughs) yeah going down at disney is disney suite of 20 get them 20 tv channels was just yanked off of dish network satellite Uh. Television and Sling TV services for customers all across the United States after the two companies failed to reach a carriage renewal deal yesterday. Disney Networks are no longer on Dish TV and Sling TV, including ESPN, FX, Disney Channel, Freeform, National Geographic, and a couple of other ones as well, like at ABC Local Stations and Eight Markets. Mm. Now, the two companies' previously carriage contract expired at midnight Pacific time on September. 30th. 
dish is notorious the uh, pay tv service for aggressive negotiating tactics with content companies like this and hasn't been afraid to sit through an extended blackout period to try to gain favorable terms on their uh, side so we'll see what happens i mean you know disney needs to be everywhere so we'll see if they uh come up with an agreement but i'm sure they will yeah they they always do at some point they're just you know but it sucks for all y'all out there that can't watch any of it i mean that it really sucks for y'all but we will let you know uh hopefully it's up long before next week yeah hopefully you guys know before we have to tell you that would suck all right the biggest news by far of the week without doubt is this right here as i said he's the best there is at what he does and he's back in the news that nobody was expecting to hear but everybody's thrilled about Hugh Jackman will be back as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. You heard that correctly. Hugh Jackman, who said he would never come back, he was done, he can't do it anymore, it's physically too tiring, not gonna happen. Well, it's happening. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds made the official announcement on his social media platforms. Deadpool 3 also has an official release date, which is September 6th of 2024. Mm. Now, this one caused all kinds of, like, excitement, but then all kinds of questions. Like, wait a minute, Logan died. How is this possible? If you guys remember correctly, Logan is set in the future, 2029. So it could be the same Logan because it's not 2029 and if it's set in present day. But... That's also kind of Ryan Reynolds kind of hinted that it's maybe not the same Logan and it's not even going to mess with that storyline or that movie. So we all know the multiverse exists. Are these alternates or with is Deadpool and Logan going to be alternates from another world? So, um, I don't know. We're going to find out, though, and uh, I'm just pumped as hell. I completely agree. And they released this information in such classic Hugh and Ryan form. Man, oh, man. Uh, You guys got to go back on social media and watch their videos together. They did like a quick little snippet announcement video, and then they did kind of a further explanation, (laughs) but not really. But it's hilarious, guys. Be sure to check those out. And we're super excited because we're big fans of both of these characters, and especially with them being rated R. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're to finally get to see the two of them in a movie together with an R rating yeah. it's going to be freaking epic the real question the only question left that everybody's asking will Hugh don the suit will we see Logan put on the suit finally the right suit not that black leather stuff the actual comic book accurate suit I'm I'm thinking yes We'll see, man. I'm thinking yes. We shall see. (laughs) But other exciting things are happening at Marvel Studios, and that is shaking things up with their content that they were planning to roll out later this year. And that's talking. We're talking about Armor Wars. Now Mm. that one was supposed to be a series for Disney Plus, but now it's being redeveloped as a feature film. Oh, the move essentially pushes back the title further down the development slate, though. Sources say that the studio was committed and getting the story told the right way and in that the process realized that the feature was better suited for this project like all marvel movies though it is intended for theatrical release Don Cheadle, uh, who is reprising his role as the longtime Cinematic Universe role as Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, remains on board to star, of, of course. course. Yes, sir, Lester, who was acting as the head writer on the series, will remain as its future, or the feature scribe. You read, you and uh, this one? Marvel had been eyeing a 2023 start production for this series, though, uh, but a few people were gearing up for that 
uh, were notified on Thursday of the change of direction. No directors have been officially attached to this one. It is unclear when Armor Wars feature would even pop up in the timeline even. Um, but, you know, we're, we're interested to see what develops from all of this. And, I mean, if the story continues the way it does, I'm very excited for it. Me because too. to see him after the death of Tony, I think that's going to be very, very key. For sure. And there's been rumors that he's going to pop up in Thunderbolt. So my guess is where in the timeline would be somewhere around there yeah. that we're going to see it. I don't know, but that's my guess. Uh, that's not it. Blade no longer has a director. Mm. Basim Tariq, gone from the helm. Blade, which has a release date of November 3rd of next year, which means that shit needs to get shooting. It was gearing up to begin shooting uh, next month in Atlanta. It's unclear how his departure will impact the production start of the vampire action thriller, which has, of course, Oscar winner Marcella Ali in the title role, with the cast also including Delroy Lindo and old actor Aaron Pierre. Now, Marvel Studios did release a statement saying, quote, due to continued shifts in our production schedule, Bassam is no longer moving forward as director of Blade, but will remain as an executive producer on the film. We appreciate Bassam's talent and all the work he's done getting Blade to where it is. Tariq then thanked Marvel in his own statement, saying, quote, It's been an honor working with the wonderful folks at Marvel. We were able to put together a killer cast and a crew, eager to see where the next director takes the film. Now, Blade has seen its start of production shift at least once before, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken, and sources say the project has on, undergone several rounds of script rights, which we've heard from sources that Marcella Ali, that might be one of the problems. He was not uh, so on board with the story. Yeah, I'm worried that it's going to be, I'm not going to lie, I'm worried it's going to kind of be like Ven uh, Venom, let there be carnage, because rumor has it there's only like 90 pages right now, very much like an hour and a half, maybe a little more, maybe a little less film, and... I just don't want them to rush this thing because it could be really special. Oh, for sure. Especially if they're going to introduce the, the, the street heroes and, yeah. and, and into that world or even the darker side, you know, I mean, that we saw in um, The Eternals. Like, I, I just think, yeah, don't mess it up. Yeah. Don't mess it up. Completely agree. <laughs> this next one is sad, but it makes sense. James Earl Jones, the legendary actor and voice of Darth Vader, nearly 50 years of filmmaking with star wars is stepping away from this role mm. the 91 year old has signed off on archival voice recordings being used by young filmmakers who plan to utilize artificial intelligence uh for speech technology to recreate jones's younger voice from his previous films for the future films from lucasfilm now, I know that was a lot of from there, from <laughs> Lucasfilm, all the good stuff. But Jones first voiced the famed film villain in the original 1977 Star Wars. Uh, the fucking wild David uh, Prowse appeared on screen in the notorious Black Mask. Joins voice the character on both the big and small screen until this point. But it makes sense. I mean, 91, man. He's had a long, successful career. So, I mean, as long as he's fine with, like, you know, yeah, you can use it. But yeah, and if you fine. guys are worried about it, I mean, obviously, as you age, the voice starts to change a little bit or whatever. And if you guys didn't know, they used a little bit of that AI technology 
in his latest gig with with Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. So even though he did voice it, they they cleaned it up. So don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. It's, it's fine. gonna sound great. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what else is gonna be pretty awesome? Because I'm excited about this one. Because I like the last trilogy, so I'm kind of pumped. The next Planet of the Apes movie is finally coming into focus with 20th Century Studios confirming the cast for the newly titled Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. The film from director Wes Ball will star Owen Teague alongside newly announced cast members Freya Allen and Peter McCann. Now, it's slated for a 2024 release. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes picks up many years after War for the Planet of the Apes. That one was the 2017 feature that concluded the original trilogy and used motion capture technology, of course, to tell the origin story of Caesar, a chimp that leads the Simians towards revolution. Now, Andy Serkis, of course, starred as Caesar with Matt Reeves, yes, the Batman fame Matt Reeves, directing the final two installments to critical acclaim. So, yeah, I'm curious now to see where it's going after that. Right, exactly, because, I mean, after those first initial films and then coming back with, like, James Franco and Old Boy with, uh, I forget his name, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Those have always been really good with technology and motion capture. That's kind of why I go to those ones, to be honest, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that. Yeah, me too. Uh, Well, it's officially spooky season, guys. I mean, today, right now, as we are recording, it is October 1st, so that's exciting. Yes. And Freeform's annual October programming, 31 Nights of Halloween, is back with a lineup of Halloween-inspired films, including both beloved classic recent hits, in addition... um, to fan favorites like Ghostbusters, Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town. This year's lineup will also add Get Out 2018, oh. Halloween, Happy Death Day, and a and the sequel to A Quiet Place. So a lot of good things. Now, October 13th, we'll be honoring Tim Burton oh. with a plethora of his films airing, including Frank and Weenie and Edward Scissorhands, Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Beetlejuice, among others. Of course, his hits will also be sprinkled throughout this month. So, I mean, a lot of good stuff coming to Freeform, guys. Hell yeah, and good for them. I, I feel like you can't do Halloween without celebrating Tim Burton. No, I mean, you can't. come on, man. Uh, this is going to probably excite a bunch of people. I'm not in that group, but hey, for all you guys out there, maybe this is really good news. Original high school musical franchise cast members Corbin Blue, Monique Coleman, Lucas Grable, Bart Johnson, Allison Reed, and Casey Stroh are apparently joining the fourth season of the Disney Plus series High School Musical, the musical the series. Now, the streamer announced as production begins on the new season, and with the new season, it's going to take a meta turn, with the principal guitarist character announcing that Disney has decided to make the long-awaited High School Musical 4, the reunion movie, on location at their in-show high school. Now, Blue Coleman, uh, Grabeel Johnson, Reed, and Casey Stroh will play themselves, resurrecting their high school musical roles within the show, while the students will play featured extras in the universe movie so it's basically we're getting high school musical four but it's in the show that's getting to make the movie that's going to be the movie it's can you can you keep up yeah that's the thing can you keep up and honestly like where's ashley tisdale where's zach efron and where's 
is it Vanessa Hudson? Is that is that who it is? Oh uh, yeah, like her, Demi Lovato, and a, a couple of other ones like came out around the same time. It's so confusing. But where are they? They are the main ones. We need them. Well, and that's saying. interesting because Vanessa Hudgens. I don't know about Ashley Tisdale, but Vanessa Hudgens and Zac Efron both said they would come back. Yeah, they would be interested in coming back. So was that a money thing? Like I don't know because they both wanted to come back and do this. So yeah, interesting. Somebody dropped the ball. Or yeah, not, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> MLK slash X, the fourth installment of Disney Plus's and National Geographic's period drama anthology series Genius has set its lead cast. Kelvin Harris Jr. will play Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Aaron Pierre will play Malcolm X. Rutch Opa will play Cortita Scott King. And Jamie Lawson will play Betty Shabazz. Genius MLK slash X will explore the formative years, pioneering accomplishments, and dueling uh, philosophies and key personal relationships of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. While King advanced in the racial equality through the nonviolent protests, Malcolm X argued forcibly um, for black empowerment, identifying identity, and self-determination <laughs> with their uh, formidable wives, or Cortita Scott King and Betty Shabazz, uh, by their sides, King and Malcolm X became uh, synonymous with the civil rights era and the fight for racial and economic justice. So, I mean, that sounds like it's going to be really good. Heck yeah. I th- anytime they do anything, movies, TV shows about these guys, it's always good. Mm-hmm. It's all, I mean, it's good to see history. And, and they had two very different takes on how to approach. <laughs> but uh, both were effective. So there you go. Exactly. All right, let's jump on over to Fox. And this was pretty good news because forever, forever everybody thought it was going to be somebody else, old T-Swift. But guess what? It's not. No. I'm, of course, talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. And guess what? This year's Super Bowl halftime show, Rihanna, mm-hmm. she's confirmed that she will be performing at the Super Bowl in February of next year, 2023, which is, of course, this year's Super Bowl. Rock Nation also officially confirmed the singer's participation through a statement released this week. Now, the singer shared a picture of an NFL-branded football on her Instagram. The game, which typically draws one of the biggest single TV audiences of the year, is scheduled to be played at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on February 12th. The Apple Music Super Bowl halftime show. That's right. It's not Pepsi anymore. <laughs> the Apple, I wonder why, <laughs> the Apple Music Super Bowl halftime show will be telecast and produced by DPS. Rock Nation and Jesse Collins serve as executive producers, and Hamish Hamilton serves as director. Rock Nation is also serving as their strategic entertainment advisors of the live performance. So um, this is pretty exciting, though. I mean, she hasn't had any kind of new music out in quite some time, and everybody was kind of wondering, does this mean we'll get new album does this mean what new music's coming i would guess yes but well i guess we'll find out right exactly it's all a mystery we understand that you're taking care of your newly born child but we want music it's fine (laughs) well the 11th installment of xfx's american horror story franchise is set for a fall premiere fx has slotted wednesday october 19th for a debut of AHS NYC. Mm. Now, the announcement is also a confirmation of the title and the season's focus on the Big Apple. Now, the first two episodes of 
the ten episodes, the first two episodes of the ten episode season, will drop at ten p.m. Eastern time on FX, and will stream the next day on Hulu. They will be followed by two episodes each Wednesday for four uh, subsequent weeks. Uh, the plot of the new installment remains under wraps, but the cast is confirmed. Though it stars Joe Mantello, Billy Lord, Zachary Quinto, Russell Tove, oh. Leslie Grossman, Charlie Carver, Sandra Bernard, and Isaac. Powell and a couple of other people as well but a lot of good things happening over there at American Horror Story I know Ryan or what's his face is happy yeah yeah Ryan Murphy that's what he is yeah Ryan I Murphy. mean he this show's just the show that will not stop yeah. I mean <laughs> it's true this one do we need this I feel like we don't need this but I guess Tubi thinks we do Tubi released the official trailer for its original movie Hot Take the Depp Heard Trial. Mm. Now, this is a fictionalized retelling of this summer's closely followed defamation trial involving actors Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The Ripped from the Headlines film is set to premiere Friday, September 30th. Oh, so it's already out. Hey! Hey! I missed it. Oh, can't tell. On the free ad-supported Tubi service. Now, Hot Take stars Mark Hapka as Depp and Megan Davis as Heard. Hot Take is said to evenly present both sides of the controversial story of the formerly married couple. But will they dive into the fact that Depp is now dating his attorney? That's the real dun, question. Dun. That's the real question. <laughs> hey, very interesting. We'll see how mm. that one goes if anyone talks about it. Well, heading over to the bunny, Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Brothers Discovery chief David Zasloff <laughs> assured staffers this week that the company is not for sale, even though it's kind of looking like it is. Yeah. The chairman and CEO of the newly merged entity, made his remarks at a company-wide town hall meeting that was beamed out via Zoom to Warner Brothers Discovery's 40,000 employees worldwide. Zaslov's comments came in response to a question from an employee. <laughs> There's been speculation about more M&A um, to come for the conglomerate for quite some time, though. The event marked the first town hall that Zaslov has held since soon after the Warner Brothers Discovery deal was finalized back in April. He acknowledged the turmoil caused by the merger and <laughs> corporate restructuring and layoffs. He also told the staffers that the company is moving as fast as it can to finalize hierarchies and staffing levels to get the other side of the integration process. Mm. 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 I, I I just he just sounds like bullshit. Yeah. Everything he says, it's like ah yeah. Yeah. I don't believe you, bro. I, I don't believe you at all. I don't. You can say one thing, but actions are louder than words, and your actions clearly make it look like you are trying to sell this bad boy yeah. off at some point. Super terrified that we're they're going to sell off this legendary film studio, and it's not going to own any of its content anymore. Uh, it's going to suck if that's the case. Yeah. Man. Speaking of that turmoil, someone else is still kind of upset, I think. Leslie Grace shared a behind-the-scenes footage of her canceled DC Comics film, Batgirl. The actor and singer shared a video on tiktok where she can be seen training for the superhero movie with the caption 
I couldn't resist. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, it played over Omar Apollo's Evergreen song in the background. It was in August of this year, of course, when it was announced that Batgirl was not moving forward, shelved dead completely, never going to see it. That's the second video she's done. The other one was You Don't Deserve Me Anyway with a bunch of clips from the movie. I think she's pissed. I mean, I would be. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but, I mean, it was a good video. I liked seeing yeah, no, like, the yeah. fight sequences and her running and Hell fire yeah. explosions, all the good stuff. Makes me sad that we will never see it. I know. Um, despite all of the off-screen drama, though, Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling, a 1950s set psychological thriller with an off-screen drama that rivaled any <laughs> antics in the actual movie, uh, scored at the box office in its opening weekend, collecting a leading $19.2 million from ooh, 4,113 North American theaters. Now, guys, if you don't know anything about that, that's a lot of theaters, yeah. and it only got not even $20 million. Now, at the international box office, the film added just another $10.8 million for a globally tally of 30 million dollars all the talk uh, about spitgate awkward press conferences and seemingly endless stream of tabloid fodder cl clearly did not keep people from seeing the film i guess in fact it may have even boosted awareness surprising no one 66 percent of the ticket buyers were female mm. nearly 70 percent between the ages of 18 to 34 audience members under the age of 18 which accounted for 16 percent of the crowds well, we're specific. I mean, people were saying especially positive things about it, I guess, giving the film an A minus on cinema score. But I, I don't know. Maybe. I just have to say, what parents are letting kids under 18 go see that movie? Yeah, that's like, a question. What? Yeah. And yeah, the real question is, what have you done for me lately? Because, guys, that was last weekend. This weekend, it's not repeating as number one. It's, it's not even going to be close. It's not. Uh, so, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, HBO's highly anticipated The Last of Us TV series has released its first official trailer, giving fans their first look at the adaptation of the popular post-apocalyptic video game. The trailer reveal came on September 26th, which is nicknamed Outbreak Day in the Last of Us community. Now, the show premieres in 2023, and just like the PlayStation video game, the Last of Us series follows a hardened survivor named Joel, played by the Mandalorian star Pedro Pascal, as he journeys across the United States, decimated by a deadly disease called the Cordyceps fungus. Along the way, he travels with a young girl named Ellie, played by Game of Thrones alum Bella Ramsey, who plays a crucial part and finding a cure for the zombie-like plague that has destroyed society. And you know what the best part about that trailer was? The surprise nobody saw coming? Melanie Linsky. Yeah, right. She's in it. Nobody knew. We have it. We talk about this thing practically every week for the last year. Had no idea. None. But I'm thrilled. I love Melanie. Congratulations, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Uh, there is another change, though, in the executive producer ranks of the HBO's The House of the Dragon. Mm. Jocelyn Diaz will not be returning to the Game of Thrones sequel um, as it is headed into its second season, or the Game of Thrones prequel into its second season. Uh, sources said that she had a one-year deal with an option for a second which did not be in, end up being picked up. The exit comes on the heels of the series executive producer Miguel Spatnik Chick, whatever the fuck his name sure. is, stepping down after serving as co-runner for season one, um, co-showrunner for season one, with the House of the Dragon, 
co-creator and executive producer Ryan Condal. Now, who was the showrunner with Old Boy, um, but, you know, becoming the sole showrunner for season two and continuing to work closely with uh, series and uh, creator uh, George R.R. R. Martin. So, I mean, it's very interesting. First season after all of this stuff, it's still going really well. Fans are still really enjoying it. So I, th- I think they're going to be fine. I think yeah. they're going to be fine. Yeah. I, and who knows what the reason we're not getting any reasons behind the the exits or we're the not. shakeups yeah. or whatever. But I mean, it's not affecting the show at all, like you said. So who cares then, right? <laughs> NCIS New Orleans alum CCH Pounder has joined the cast of the HBO Max limited series Full Circle. She joins previously announced cast Zazie Beetz, Claire Danes, Timothy Oliphant, Dennis Quaid, Gerald Jerome, and Shay Cole. Now, in Full Circle, an investigation into a botched kidnapping uncovers long-held secrets connecting multiple characters and cultures in present-day New York City. Mm. Oh, okay. Very so, interesting. That's a great cast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, what else the story's about, but it's a great cast. Exactly. Well, heading over to Paramount, they have removed its untitled Star Trek sequel from its upcoming uh, film slate. Mm. The project produced by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot had been set for the theatrical release on uh, December 22nd of 2023. Now, this news comes roughly one month after director Mac Shuckman exited the Star Trek film, which was set for its fourth cinematic tour of duty for Chris Pine as Kirk, uh, Zachary Quinto as Spock, Zoe Sanalda as Uhura, and Carl Urban as Bones. John Cho was Slew and Simon Pegg as Scotty. Now, Skyman was successfully able to court. He was able to be courted by Marvel Studios to helm its Fantastic Four reboot. So he really wasn't missing out on anything. Right. Reuniting the WandaVision director with the studio. Now, Shakeman became the first attached to the Star Trek sequel in the summer of 2021. With the film, it's now off schedule. It leaves Paramount without plans for a film entry in its most valuable franchise. The last Trek feature came out back in 2016, which was Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, so it's a while. That's uh, that's been what, like a uh, six years, six seven years? years? Yeah, Damn, it's crazy, man. No, and the TV side is just slaying. They've yeah. got so many awesome things, and everybody's like, "Can we get another film?" Please. Apparently not. <laughs> like, hey, did you see it? I saw it. Did you? I-, I loved the trailer. It's freaking epic. It's so awesome. Guess who's back? Not just Wolverine. John Dutton. Yeah. The Duttons, baby. They're back. Season 5 of Yellowstone premieres November 13th on Paramount Network, which released a full trailer for the new episodes. Now, the new trailer gives eager fans like us a sneak peek at what's ahead this season for the Duttons. The new footage opens with John Dutton, of course, being sworn in as governor of Montana and shows the chaos, enemies, and war that's immediately set up to follow oh my because you know they don't want him there like you know it's uh, including his son yeah <laughs> so i mean exactly oh my gosh. so, so much good storyline with yellowstone if you guys uh, are not watching this show please do yourself a favor catch up now and be ready for that new season and be warned because once you start binge watching season one you can't stop you can. you, you'll be all caught up real quick i promise exactly like, well, we can also tell you that Kevin Costner's Territory Pictures will team up with Morgan Freeman, 
Lori McCreary and their Revelations Entertainment to produce a, the Civil War spy drama, The Grey House, oh. a six-hour limited series for Paramount Global. The Grey House focuses on the unsung woman, women who uh, turned the tide of the American Civil War in favor of the North. A Richmond uh, sociolite and her daughter, a formerly enslaved African-American, and a Courtson uh, build the successful female spy ring, operating right under the noses of the Confederate High Command. Oh. They risk their life and liberty to help win the war and preserve American democracy. That sounds fucking badass. Yeah, no, I love it. It's like, um, what was that one uh, the, about the NASA, the women, that you know, the, the story about the NASA women mm. that helped contribute to... I know to, what you're talking about. I right? forget the name. Though. It, it sounds like that. Like the women that like basically helped win the war that nobody's heard about before. Yeah. And now we're going to get to a history, man. History. And that's like Turn. Yeah. Turn, you know, for the Revolutionary War helped develop this like spy system that like basically turned the tides of the war and everything. It's amazing how that like happens in all of them. Exactly. But, uh, Jennifer L is the latest addition to the cast of the Yellowstone prequel series, 1923 at Paramount plus she will play sister Mary O'Connor, an Irish nun that teaches at the school for American Indians in Montana. She joins previously announced cast members, Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, Brandon Skelnar, Darren Mann, Michelle Randolph, James Badge, Dale, Mary Shelton, Brian Garricky, Amina Neves, Julia Shelfer, and Jerome Flynn. Now, as you guys know, 1923 is currently in production in Montana, scheduled to debut in December. So that's exciting, too, because that's a prequel and a sequel. It's the sequel to 1883, the prequel to Yellowstone. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. But Taylor Sheridan's not done yet. Stephanie Neur is the latest addition in the upcoming Paramount Plus drama series, Lioness. Oh. Neur joins the previously announced series regulars, uh, Joey Saldana, uh, Leslie D. Oliveira, James Jordan, LaMonica Garrett, Dave Annable in the series. Per the show's official long line, Lioness is based off a real-life CIA program that follows Cruz um, Melenos, uh, who's played by Dialova, a rough-around-the-edges but passionate young Marine recruit to join the CIA's Lioness engagement team to help bring a terrorist organization from with bring down a terrorist mm. organization within. Now... Uh, Saldana will play Joe, the station chief of Lioness program, tasked with training, managing, and leading her female undercover operatives. Nora will appear in the series as Elia, uh, described as the daughter of a billionaire businessman with ties to terrorism, who has high, who is a high-valued target of the CIA. Mm. Nora is no stranger to the Sheridan verse, though, having previously appeared in multiple episodes of the Yellowstone prequel, 1883, as Melody. So, a lot of good things happening yeah. there. He likes to keep it in the family. Heck yeah, LaMonica Garrett, too. So, like, that's awesome that two 1883ers are going to be popping up. Uh, Mary McDonald, a two-time Oscar and two-time Emmy nominee, of course, has been tapped as the lead opposite Justin Hartley in CBS's drama pilot The Never Game from director Ken Olin in 20th Century Television. Now, as we've told you, The Never Game follows the adventures of Coulter Shaw, of course played by Justin, who was raised by his paranoid survivalist father to be an expert tracker and who now makes his living as a rewardist traveling America in his Airstream trailer, helping families recover their lost loved ones and their other 
most precious things, all while staying one step ahead of the memories that haunt him and the unanswered questions from his past. McDonald will play Mary Dove Shaw, Coulter's solid, strong, and uncompromising mother who raised her three children on the remote California compound where her husband took them before his mysterious death. She still lives there, self-reliant, upright, the emotional center of Coulter's restless life, and the key to the secrets of his past. Mm. Mm, a lot of good stuff there. Oh, yeah. Now, Showtime is targeting a November release date for its Phil Spector docuseries, and it's unveiled a trailer that highlights gungs and mayhem surrounding the legendary and controversial record producer. Mm. The a premium cabler is launching a four-part series, Spectre, uh, on November 4th. The series will look at what happened on that fateful night of February 3rd, 2003, when actress Elena Clarkson was shot dead in his mansion. The victim was a charismatic and once prolific film actress whom Spectre had just met that night. Through the lens of this notorious crime and infamous trial which followed, the series explores the stories of both Clarkson and the man who was convicted of her murder. Now, I know nothing about this story. That's wild. Oh, it, it's well, he was like always kind of eccentric and out there and just a weird guy. Uh, he worked with some like freaking legends, though. I mean, he was a solid, legendary producer. And so it was kind of just like everybody knew he was weird. But when he just meets this woman, invites her over. And by the way, she went, what? You just meet him and you go straight, like whatever. And then to have him kill her. Mm. Like, yeah, just crazy, man. And yeah. wait until you see it. I hope they get it right. I don't know who they're going to cast. But his hair was all like freaking just like he looked like a freaking wild man crazy dude mm. like i would never have gone into his house like what the fuck you're gonna like it it's gonna be good um this is not good i think this is gonna upset a lot of people this is kind of sad news trevor noah is apparently nearing his last laugh on the daily show the comedian who came out of near anonymity to take over the program from john stewart in 2015 plans to exit the flagship Comedy Central series after a seven-year tenure that saw him transform it for a new generation of viewers who are more at home on social media than they are at cable outlets and broadcast networks. It is not immediately clear when his actual exit will take place or whether Paramount Global Cable Network has even begun to consider a successor. So, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I know that's going to upset a lot of people because it has been a popular seven-year run. Every host that's hosted that show has been massively successful and gone on to huge things. So yeah, agreed. The, the like, next guy better or woman better be pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> well, NBC Universal's Universal Pictures' upcoming horror title, Halloween Ends, hitting theaters October 14th, yes. released its final trailer this week. The footage sees Laurie Strode, the signature character played by Jamie Lee Curtis and the 45-year-old horror franchise seeking bloody revenge in a final battle with the manic, manic Halloween's own Michael Myers that might leave only one of them standing or none of them. Who knows? Mm. The Halloween franchise was relaunched back in 2018 and the final film sees Strode determined to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life by finally confronting the evil she can't control once and for all directed by david gordon green halloween ends also stars andy machakek uh, will Patton, kyle richards omar dorsey nick castle and james jude uh, courtney 
Now, it is set four years after last year's Halloween Kills that was unleashed a new string of terror. Mm. It was really good, so I'm excited to see this one. Are they finally going to put it to a close? I think so. I think this is like the definitive end, but every time they say that... Yeah. Yeah. So Robert Eggers' long-awaited Nosferatu is starting to take shape with Bill Skarsgård in talks to play the title character with Lily Rose Depp as his co-star. Now, Eggers is set to write, direct, and produce the new imagining of the cinematic classic, which follows the gothic tale of an obsession between a haunted young woman, of course going to be played by Depp, in 19th century Germany and the ancient Transylvanian vampire who stalks her, bringing untold horror with him Mm. yeah i mean that's a famous character that everybody loves they've used him comedically and dramatically in so many different things i think this is gonna be a great take on it yeah for sure i mean it sounds good well guys another american pie is in the works and this one will be pinned by shajeta day and she is set to develop and write a new installment of the long-running sex comedy franchise for Universal's 1440 Entertainment and the production arm of Universal's Film Entertainment Group. Now, the pilot details have yet to be revealed, but the story is based on her original pitch and is being described as a fresh new take. So that's exciting. <laughs> you put your, you know, wee wee in one pie. It's a sex franchise. That's how it I is. mean, that's how it works. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> The Queer as Folk reboot has been canceled after one season at Peacock. The entire first season of the show was released on the streamer on June 9th. It originally received a straight-to-series order at Peacock back in April of 2021. Now, the Peacock series was the third iteration of Queer as Folk. The original British series aired for 10 episodes between 1999 and 2000. Showtime, of course, then adapted the series for American audiences with their own version that actually aired for five seasons between 2000 and 2005 but oh well that's it yeah you know we'll see we'll see well three of dick wolf's franchises law and order one chicago and fbi were the most viewed broadcast series of their respective season premiere nights on tuesday wednesday and thursday (laughs) universal television loves this guy and serves the studio for each of these bad boys in addition um the ninth wolf entertainment series that returned during the fall tv premiere week seven brought in higher ratings than their most recent series finales those were FBI, FBI International, FBI Most Wanted, Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, Law and Order Organized Crime, and Chicago Med. I mean, he just runs that fucking studio, so they, he's not going nowhere. No, no, no. I, I'm going to say it. The Law and Order crossover between the three shows for the first time ever was fucking epic. Well done, well done. Sony, here's one that you weren't expecting. You remember the call? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Tarzan, the classic pulp hero created by Edgar Rice Burroughs, might be heading back to the screen once again. Sony Pictures has picked up the screen rights to the character from the Burroughs estate, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Inc., and is seeking to do a total reinvention of the character and intellectual property. Now, no writer, filmmaker, or producer are attached as the studio looks for a top-down reimagining of the Ape Man for audiences in this time space of the 21st century. How do you reimagine Tarzan? Yeah, how many times are we going to see this story? I mean, like, like, I don't understand. He's in, he, he ends up in the jungle raised by apes. You... How do you reimagine that? Like, yeah. if it, that's not the story, then he's not Tarzan. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. And I mean, yeah, to, like I said, to bring this character back to life, like, I okay, 
Whatever. <laughs> Paul Bettany is set to join Tom Hanks and Robin White in a film here. Where? No, right, right here. Here. <laughs> With uh, Robert Zemeckis directing, Eric Roth is adapting the script for oh. Sony Pictures, and they will release the film in theaters in the U.S. with Miramax holding international rights. Yeah, Miramax is still around. That's right. Um, based on Richard uh, McGreer's uh, graphic novel here, is described as a breathtaking and revolutionary odyssey uh, through time and memory. The... In, in, in a native uh, film is centered around a single geographic location in New England, starting to, as wilderness and later becoming a site of a home where the story of love, loss, struggle, hope, and legacy oh. play out between couples, families, over generations. The project came together earlier this year, becoming one of the bigger packages to hit the market, given that it would reunite Forrest Gump team of tom hanks zemeckis wright and roth yes so that's exciting yeah i mean that thing won a lot of oscars so i mean maybe the reteaming is gonna do the same for that film who knows two-time tony winning actor and emmy nominee matthew broderick is joining sony's r-rated jennifer lawrence comedy no hard feelings he will play the rich husband of laura Benati. they'll portray the parents of andrew barth feldman's character who is befriended by lawrence's need-to-wear-well character the movie is set to hit theaters on june 16th now we still don't know a lot about what this movie is we just know it's r it's jennifer lawrence and it's probably gonna be pretty fucking good probably probably <laughs> vanessa williams personal story about the scandal that forced her to resign her miss america crown in 1984 is getting a small screen treatment sony pictures television has optioned the rights to her story to develop as a limited series with veteran near marin executive producing williams made history in 1983, becoming the first black woman to be crowned Miss America. Weeks before completing her reign, she was forced to resign her title under pressure from the organization when controversy ensued after nude photos of her were taken prior of her Miss American Miss America win were published without her consent in Penthouse Magazine. Man, that, that's the same one that did fucking uh, what's-her-face, right? Um... Uh, uh, Lily James's fucking what's her face? Yes. Uh, faced with adversity and start of uh Pamela Anderson of her career, Williams was able to overcome the scandal and become an award-winning actor, singer, and one of the biggest in the entertainment industries with one of the most remarkable comeback stories. Uh, Williams said in a statement, "Quote: This project is increasingly personal to me. There were so many inaccurate and untrue accounts of the events surrounding this period of my." life as a mother as a black woman and it is important to me to tell the truth and be it be told documented by my perspective this is not just a story about racy photos and uh, misogyny and racism i want to shine a light on that for the future generations i was not only able to survive what could have been a career-ending scandal but rose above it and have achieved a body of work that i am extremely proud of i look forward to continuing my long relationship with sony near mirin and mark nicholson and work closely with my partners kathy ireland stephen roseberry and john caruso steve glick to bring this story to screen so a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm excited for that one because she did get a raw deal with that, and she was able to recover and have a, a huge career, and I think it is important for a lot of women out there. Um, 
Let's jump over to Lionsgate. Stars is set to rebrand as Lionsgate Plus in 35 countries along with rebranding its logo, but it will remain stars in the U.S. and Canada. Can we just get past the fucking plus? Why is everybody... ah, The pair of businesses, as you guys know, we've been telling you, are currently going through a separation and a number of media entities are rumored to be interested in acquiring stars, including Canal Plus and Roku, with a sale expected sometime before the end of this year. So I'm just so tired of plus. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> Lionsgate Plus. Yeah. Ooh, original. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Why not Lions Den or something like that? Yeah, I just don't... anything. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Lionsgate highly anticipated film centered on Dennis Rodman, 48 hours in Vegas during the 1998 NBA Finals, may have zero in on the actor who will play the infamous basketball star. Oh. Sources say that Jonathan Majors is in early talks to play Rodman in the 48 hours in Vegas. While a deal isn't closed yet, sources say that Major is very much on board and negotiations are headed in the right direction. Lionsgate won the rights of the spec in the highly competitive auction last August with Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Adita Stude producing the film. The film is inspired by the crazy story of how the NBA star Dennis Rodman went on a madcap adventure with his skittish assistant GM in the middle of the 1998 NBA Finals. It will detail budding friendships that neither one of them ever thought was possible, but it will end up solving both of their problems. (laughs) Yeah, it was a crazy story. I mean, and the last dance with Michael Jordan, they addressed it in that, so it's kind of just like, but boy, Majors, Jonathan Majors, that guy is just like busy. Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, now this one. I mean, that guy is, like, killing it. Uh, Director Ruben Fleischer is boarding Now You See Me 3. Yep, that's right. You heard that right. It's coming, guys. Lionsgate is behind the third installment of the Magic-centric franchise, which launched back in 2013, and, of course, starred Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, as well as Isla Fisher, Dave Franco, and Morgan Freeman. Now, Seth Graham Smith, the scribe behind the Lego Batman movie Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, has also boarded the film as the screenwriter the new installment will reunite old characters as well as introduce new players to the world of illusions known as the four horsemen yeah. i'm excited for that i've loved the first two so yeah i love the first one i didn't ever saw the second one. Oh but, yeah um, pretty yeah, good yeah uh but yeah very interesting now heading over to amazon mgm the big budget lord of the rings uh rings of power had a big opening weekend on nilsen's sovd charts outdrawing house of the dragons among streaming users it was not, however, the biggest opening ever for Amazon Prime Video in terms of overall viewing time. The Ring of Power captured about 1.2 billion minutes of viewing time following its September 1st premiere in the U.S., the only streaming title on top of the billion minutes for that week. While the debut of Rings is among Prime's video's best openings ever and the first series of the platform to capture number one overall ranking on the Nelson chart, it is not the best, though. That honor still belongs to Reacher, which had 1.8 billion minutes of viewing time for its opening weekend in early February. One key difference, Reacher full eight-episode season debut all at once, giving Prime viewers, users, a about six and a half hours worth of show to watch. Now, Rings of Power premiered with only two episodes totaling two hours and 12 minutes of runtime. 
that works out in an average about 9.5 million viewers for the two episodes for the twice of the Reacher's opening of like 4.7, the opening frame. But, you know, I mean, I don't, I just don't see a lot of people talking about it. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I'm still Team House of the Dragon. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of people do talk about Reacher, though. So yeah, that makes they sense still talk me. about Reacher. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, let's jump to next Netflix. Now, of course, they had a huge event this past week, and oh my God, they released everything under the fucking sun. Don't worry, we've got it all for you. Let's go. The next installment in the Beverly Hills Cop franchise is continuing to add some star power to the all-star cast. Kevin Bacon is set to join Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. Now, production on the sequel is underway already with Mark Malloy directing. Murphy is, of course, back as Axel Foley with Judge Reinheld, my buddy John Ashton, Paul Reiser, and Bronson Pinchot also reprising their characters from the previous installments. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Taylor Page are also on board as new characters. The franchise moved, of course, from Paramount to Netflix in the winter of 2019. I'm so excited to see that film, man. Yeah, it's going to be good. Fans of Manifest were treated to its first trailer for the fourth of the show's fourth and final season on Netflix's Tudum event. Part one of the show's final season, which consists of 10 episodes, will debut on the streamer on November 4th. The supernatural drama series that follows passengers and crew of a commercial airliner who suddenly reappear after being presumed dead for five and a half years. Now, after part one premieres November 4th, the second half of the season, which consists of another 10 episodes, will premiere at a later date. As you know, Manifest was notably revived by Netflix after NBC canceled the show in June of 2021. After three seasons on the network, shortly before it was canceled, the show was added to Netflix and skyrocketed in popularity by topping viewing charts, convincing the streamer to revive the series and give a proper send-off with a final season. Makes sense. It does make sense, totally. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say maybe not the final season. I think it's going to follow the Lucifer thing, and it's going to be so popular they're going to go, hey, let's do another one. (laughs) I don't know. Now, this is a popular show that you have to wait 18,000 years in between each season, but guess what? We're we're finally getting season five. Netflix revealed the premiere date for The Crown season five during its online event on Saturday. The dramatized series about the British royal family is set to return on November 9th with an entirely new cast. That's right, they're doing it again. Amelda Staunton takes over from Olivia Coleman as Queen Elizabeth II, while Jonathan Price will play her husband, Prince Philip. Meanwhile, Dominic West will play Prince Charles. Elizabeth Debicki will portray Princess Diana. Leslie Manville joins as the Queen's sister, Princess Margaret. And Johnny Lee Miller stars as Prime Minister John Major. Now, season five is believed to cover the family throughout the 1990s, although the writers and producers, including creator Peter Morgan have remained tight-lipped as ever regarding which life events from the Royals' lives they plan to bring to the screen. The casting has given fans some kind of clues because, as you guys know, we've talked about on past shows, they've cast Daoudi Fayed and the whole kind of everybody that would signal they're going to go with the death of Diana. So, no big surprise. I mean, it only makes sense. Come on now. Uh, Netflix has released the first official footage of its Bridgerton prequel, officially titled Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Soul. A new limited uh, series spinoff will chronicle the early years of Golda Roosevelt's 
Queen Charlotte from the main uh, Bridgerton series. India Armaifu uh, from Line of Duty plays the young Queen Charlotte in the new timeline. Here is the lo- official logline from Netflix. Centered on the Queen Charlotte's rise to prominence and power, this Bridgerton's verse prequel tells the story of how the young Queen's marriage to the King George sparked both great love and a uh, societal shift, mm. uh, centering the world of the Tan inherited uh, by the characters in Bridgerton. I mean, I'm only really freaking excited about this because I want to see how she transitions into being the person she is. Like, you can tell there's a love story there with the king in the original Bridgerton series, but she's also kind of a bitch. But we'll see how it is. <laughs> we'll see why she is, maybe. Yeah. That'll be awesome. I'm super excited about this one. Darren Starr's Emmy-nominated escapist romantic comedy Emily in Paris will launch its third season on Netflix on December 25th. First, the streamer announced the date and revealed a teaser for the upcoming season during its event. The new footage shows Emily, of course, played by the lovely and talented Lily Collins, as she finds herself at a crossroads in every aspect of her life, deciding the pathway she will choose regarding her work and love life. Now, Emily will have to figure out exactly where her loyalties lie and what those decisions mean for her future in France, all while continuing to immerse herself in the adventurous lifestyle that wandering through the city of love provides. Now, while season two ended with a cliffhanger suggesting that Emily would perhaps leave Paris, this teaser sees Emily still living a thrilling life in the French capital hanging out with her best friend Ashley and romantically involved with Elfie her British boyfriend. The teaser also sees Emily having some tension filled interactions with Gabrielle her on and off French romantic interest so clearly she's staying in Paris Yeah, exactly. it's not called Emily out of Paris I mean you so. No exactly yeah. well another exciting thing happening at the event was Millie Bobby Brown's Enola Holmes is back on the case oh. in the official trailer of Enola Holmes 2. An extension of the iconic Sherlock Holmes character Created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the franchise stars Brown as the youngest sibling in the Holmes family who must come into her own as a capable detective while facing down her brother Sherlock, played by Henry Cavill, who I'm guessing is going to have a more prominent role than the first one. Right. The official trailer for the sequel comes about a month after Netflix posted a play teaser poster for the film, which is highlighted the franchise's main character hiding in plain sight in the middle of a crowded area. The sequel is slated to release on the streaming service on November 4th. So mark your calendars. Yeah, awesome. Now, Noah Centino, who, of course, we're going to see pretty soon in Black Adam, has officially gone from high school heartthrob to CIA spy. During Netflix's event, the former To All the Boys star revealed that his upcoming espionage series is titled The Recruit and will premiere December 16th on the streamer. He also shared the first photo from the show, which featured him starring... Uh, features him starting something down, staring something down, a villain maybe, from uh, behind a door with a cut on his cheek. Mm. Now, according to the logline, the recruit centers on a fledging lawyer at the CIA that becomes enmeshed into dangerous international power politics when a former asset threatens to expose the nature of her long-term relationship with the agency unless they exonerate her of a serious crime. Oh, Oh. that's dark. Netflix is always here for the dark stuff like one of their huge flagship series 
The Witcher. Now, this one's we're talking about the spinoff series. It's going to make a 2023, the year of The Witcher, the Witcher spinoff series, the uh, Witcher Blood Origin will debut December 25th, <laughs> and season three of the main Witcher will show uh follow will be shown the following summer in 2023. Fans uh, last visited the Witcher universe nearly a year ago when season two of the Henry Cavill fantasy series dropped in December 2021. Since then, it spawned even more spinoffs. In addition to Blood Origin, the limited series and anime feature is on its way and a family-friendly witcher series is also in the works i don't know how the fuck that's gonna work but right okay i mean it, they drop it on christmas like <laughs> i don't even get that john b and the outer banks crew are back in netflix's first teaser for the series's third season and it seems they finally found some peace on an island they call Pokwalandia. The sky is so blue that it's almost turquoise. The sand is soft and looks like the gang has set up their own little sun-soaked world far away from Ward, Rafi, and the Sheriff's Department. Outer Banks was renewed for Season 3 last December. Season 3 of Outer Banks is set to premiere in 2023. Yes, and Season 4 of Netflix's You officially has a release date. The first part will debut February 10th, and part two will be available March 10th. The series, led by Penn Bagley, had added more than a dozen new additions mm. to the cast for the upcoming season. In the promo for season four, which filmed in London, Joe reintroduces himself with a new identity as he somehow becomes a teacher in the United Kingdom. The what? teaser video also hints at personalities of many new characters characters this season so oh, stay tuned that's a dark twisted show too man. it is speaking of dark twisted netflix loves them and i guess so does everybody else ryan murphy's jeffrey dahmer uh series monster overpowered the netflix top 10 rankings this week taking the number one spot with 196.2 million hours viewed following its september 21st premiere during the september 19th to september 25th viewing window the 10 episode limited series knocked off cobra kai season five off its pedestal and down to the third spot season two of fate the Wink Saga stayed at the number two spot for the second week in a row. So there you go. People want that dark shit, man. It makes sense. It's fucking wild. <laughs> uh, this next one's very interesting, but it only makes sense because with them launching their streaming service, me talking about Apple, they needed some notable people. Remember when they had that event announcing their streaming service and all the people and creatives that they brought? Oprah Winfrey being one of them, she has decided to not renew their mega overall deal. This was first announced back in two. 2018, like I was just saying, both sides have confirmed the evolution but have declined to comment on this. It's understood, though, that both sides have agreed to continue to work together, but on a project-to-project -project basis. Um, now, their previous deal is ending. Winfrey and Apple TV Plus are currently collaborating on a documentary series, uh, Sydney, about the life of the iconic Oscar-winning actor, Sydney Porter. Now, the project directed by uh, Reggie Hudlin is through Apple Original Films and debuted this Friday on Apple TV+. Winfrey and Apple also continue to collaborate on Oprah's Book Club, which is available both on OprahDaily.com and 
Apple Books. So there it is. Well, good. So she's not completely gone from Apple, guys. Yeah. Chill. It's fine. Lisa Kudrow, you know her, you love her, Phoebes, will head to the cast for Apple TV Plus's Time Bandits, Taika Waititi's series adaptation of the 1981 Terry Gilliam film. The show has also cast several other actors, Cal L. Tuck, Charlene Yee, Teddy Murphy, Roger Jean, I don't know, Seni Gajadumova, I'm so sorry for that, uh, Rune Temte, Kieran Thompson, and Rachel House. Now, Time Bandits, which Apple began developing in 2019, is described as a comedic journey through time and space with a ragtag group of thieves and their newest recruit, an 11-year-old history nerd named Kevin. Watiti is co-writer of the series and will direct the first two episodes. Nice, so, man. Yeah, nice. Man. Of course, we had to bring you all of the news with us coming back. Oh, there it is, though. There yeah. Is all your news. I hope you're informed now you're all <laughs> caught up uh, well it's time for the one the only john clarence stewart yes. to come on the show we're super excited because this guy is so freaking epic definitely goes down in my top five all-time interviews that we've ever had this guy is so special and you're not gonna want to miss this one no for sure i mean this one rides all of the emotions guys we have a blast we're laughing so hard we're like then it gets really deep and then it comes out and we're just like it's such an amazing interview but the biggest word i i would say inspiring it's a very inspiring interview big facts big facts well here he is john clarence stewart welcome inside the crazy ant farm man how are you I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, whoa, these guys really are crazy. <laughs> man, I love that already. That smile, that everyday, just infectious. Man, we are so pumped to talk to you tonight, my friend. Like, not only to carry on the Zoe's love, because we've talked to a bunch of y'all, and we just, like, we're fan. Man, I'm still hoping Roku picks that thing up. Like, just give us another season, man. But, I mean, we got Luke Cage. We got, we, we got P-Valley. We got your performance at 54 below like just so many things that we want to talk to you about bro oh thank you i appreciate that yeah i'm excited i'm excited to be here with y'all i'm i'm uh i'm, I'm just excited there's, there's no real eloquent way of putting it it's just excitement so, well, there you go. <laughs> i love it i love it well we want to introduce you to the fans and all the listeners out there this podcast is meant to help up-and-comers try to break into the entertainment industry so you know it's always good to mm -hmm. pass along everybody's upbringing so what about you, man? What made you fall in love with acting? What made you want to get into it? I mean, you know, well, my, okay, so I, I grew up in a really religious space in mm -hmm. the South, right? Um, my dad was a pastor, so there was a lot of storytelling with that. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I don't really talk about this, but I remember my mom, she was like a praise dancer. So she would, she wore this like gown and she would walk up, like walk, she would move gracefully up and down aisles and shit like that, you know? Hell yeah. And I was just like, interesting. And then when I was in my room, I would like dance by myself and I would play music and stuff like that. But I didn't, no one really knew that. That was like me time. Um, the, the, the time where it kind of went public was my last semester, my senior year in high school. Mm. I had a classmate, his name was Chris Dillette, and he was going to audition for a play. I'd never done one before, but I saw my older sister do one the previous semester. And I was just, she was the cool kid in school. She was the homecoming queen. I was her brother like no one knew my name. <laughs> don't you love that when you got a sibling and you're just that one yeah you know like always fun it was it was like you know what it was wonderful because i was like i i kind of relished that position in a way because folks would be like uh they'd be like so you're 
you're her brother? I was like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. They're like, so how do I? I'm like, she doesn't like you. Be my friends, but not be my friends. Whatever, I digress. So, um, I was uh, so I followed Chris and Coop was the head of the drama program. Shallow High School is where I went, and um, and she was like, she went around the room and there was all these people, and she had everybody sing songs and stuff. And then she got to me, and I just went with my friend Chris. I was just there, and she was like, "Do you want to audition?" And I was like, "I don't do that, no." <laughs> and she was like. Oh, she was like, okay, why are you here? Anyway, so she kept going. Then she went back to me and she was like, do you know any songs? <laughs> and I was like, not. I was like, not really. Like, not, not really. And she said, uh, do you know Happy Birthday? I was like, mm, you got me. And so I sang Happy Birthday. And then she cast me in, in the show. And the show that she cast me in was um, Once on this Island. And I played the character Papa Gay in Once on this Island. And I was like, you know, I was like, way out of my comfort zone. And that's a theme in my career that I love. Oh, a yeah. lot of things that I've done have been, uh, there has been no proof that I can do it. And yet I still put myself in that position and commit wholly to it. Mm. And through the kind of alchemy of that process, I find out things about myself. Mm. I learn things about my instrument and I get closer and closer to um, like my artist heart. And so that was my introduction to acting, right? And then I had to go to college for something. I wasn't really good at much. So I was like, I got, there was a good response from the show. And I had a friend, her name is Brittany Murphy Williams now, um, cause you married. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I was like, just so you know, she's like, it's not my name anymore, Janice, it's years. I have children, I have a family. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So, um, <laughs> I get it, no, she, so she went to a school in South Georgia, Columbus State University. And I was like, you know, I really, I didn't know much about any of it. So I just, I just, she was the only person that I knew that did any acting and went to school for it. And she said um, that they were having auditions and I didn't really know how to do that. The only thing I'd done before is like I said, show up and sing happy birthday. Right. But I didn't really know any of the stuff. I didn't know about monologues. I didn't know about you know, like actually preparing the song or anything like that. And so what I did was my favorite movie is Goodwill Hunting. So yes. I, I watched the movie again, right? There's that monologue, that classic monologue, Robin Williams on the bench. Oh yeah. He goes in and I learned that monologue and I was like, cool, I'm going to audition for this program with this Robin Williams monologue. <laughs> so I got to, I go and I audition and I can't tell you how bad it was. It was pretty fucking terrible. Like I, all I remember, all I remember was like saying the words, but I, I remember I was started in the middle of the room. And at one point I was on this wall over here. And then at some point I was on the wall over there. I made it the Shakespearean, like high stakes fucking thing. I just, there was no subtlety. I was just yeah. all over the place. And after I did it, um, one of the teachers asked me if I sang and I told her no. And she was like, I don't believe you. And I said, um, happy birthday. I was like, cool. But that was, that was my, in, my entryway to any kind of arts type stuff. And it's been, a. um, there's a, I remember the first time, the first play I, I 
booked. I got cast in in, in college was I Hate Hamlet. Mm. There's a character uh, that doesn't come into the play for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just was hiding under this couch for like the longest fucking time. (laughs) And I remember during a rehearsal, I actually went to sleep. I was snoring during one of the rehearsals. And they were like, John. John? (laughs) John is your entrance. (laughs) I got up and I was like, oh. But um, I, so I hate Hamlet, but I didn't know how to create a character. I was just. Right. And uh, my friend Anthony, he now works, um, uh, he works at Berkeley Rep. He works, he uh, does, I think he heads the education department at Berkeley Rep. Mm, nice. Um, but his name is Anthony Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, the, he was like the old head. He was like, the, he was like elegant. And he was a black man. He was like, and I was like, I was like, dude, how do you, what do you, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I'm <laughs> in a, like what do you, what am I supposed to do? They would. The, the director, his name is Stephen Graver. I remember the first rehearsal. Um, I don't know how I got through uh, Once on this Island without it, but like, bro, I went through all of Once on this Island. I didn't know what stage left stage right was. I didn't know what any of that lingo was. Mm-hmm. So I go to the first rehearsal and Stephen is like, so John, you're going to enter stage left. And then you're going to, and I just like, look at him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, and then everybody's looking at me like, and I'm looking at him and he's like, oh, Okay, so, oh, so we're there. Okay, so, okay, so, um, and he said it kind of like that, like a little, like a, like a little shady. Like, right, right, like, right, right. Like, like he's like, he's like, cool. So, okay, we're there. So, stage left. <laughs> we're gonna take rehearsal time, right? And we're gonna go through this. And um, after that, I was like, I need to talk to somebody because I don't want to be embarrassed like that again. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Anthony. He gave me a list of questions to ask myself about character mm. and that was the first introduction to like you know building and asking myself questions and finding a character mm. and um you know to be quite frank like i if this is a you know free space i, I like to just um be honest about my my journey uh i grew up in a very i was grew up in a very religious space mm-hmm. i also grew up like it was very very staunchly religious mm-hmm. very very like rigid and there were a lot of problematic things that I grew up with. And I remember acting being, I still had a lot of ideology in me. Oh yeah. Um, and it was, I remember I was, it was my first year of acting school and I had a teacher, her name was Lori Strickland. And I was doing a scene from Night of the Iguana, uh, Tennessee Williams. And there's a scene between these two men. And I was like, I was playing a scene and I was just like playing the scene. Mm-hmm. And then she started asking me, you know, um, you know, Tennessee Williams, you know, it's, there's a lot of subtext. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. So she starts asking me questions about the scene I'm playing and she's like, and I I start answering the questions and then she kind of poses the question to me, um, about what their relationship is. Mm. And I was like, Uh, I don't, I don't know. And then she proposed the possibility to me that maybe the relationship was a love relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, I, I can't, I was like, I can't, I don't know. I don't, I can't, I can't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And right. she said, I'll never forget it, man. She just looked at me and she said, have you ever loved anyone? I said, yeah. She said, okay, play the scene. And she just kept moving. Oof. Nice. And I was just, I was just like leveled. 
it like that was the beginning of unraveling so much shit. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Childhood. Oh yeah. It was so simple and so clear and so um like to the core. Mm. And I was just like I was like and that that's another reason why I fell in love with acting. Because in putting myself in other people's shoes and people whose experiences are different from mine, I it, it like expands my empathetic body like, for I, sure it, it forces me to ask questions it, it forces me to seek the truth it gets me out of my comfort zone um and so many times you know i i, I feel like the the roles that find us i think they find us for a reason oh mm-hmm. and, absolutely and so like that that is another thing so that's all that i feel like i've been monologuing for like no, no man, I love stop. that. Oh my I gosh, there's so much exactly. there to, to unpack with all of that. I just love how your very first introduction into it all, like you said, it was just something that you were just not, com- you, it was out of the comfort zone, you were uncomfortable, you didn't know what you were doing, and that you've been able to parlay that into every aspect of your career. Like you said at the top of the show, that you take roles that are out of the comfort zone, that make you feel, you know, like uh, challenge you and stuff. So to be able to take that fear and turn it into a tool, to, to turn it into an mm. advantage moving forward is just unreal. And we talk about it all the time too, about how if art can make you start a conversation that might be uncomfortable normally, but you can talk about it because of what you've just watched or what you've just done, then that's the best thing about art is to start conversations that are uncomfortable to have and make them comfortable, right? So, I mean, I just love everything that you just unpacked there. Yeah, we like uh, we like quoting Emmanuel Acho. I don't know if you've ever heard of any of his stuff where you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in conversations and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's basically what you were doing. That's how you were coming up. So that's that was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Honestly, we couldn't ask for anything better than that. Like, I mean, that like touched my soul. Seriously, seriously, like shit. Because there are probably a lot of people out there, like you were, that just think they're not good at anything, and and then they they're terrified to try something, or they're terrified to get out of that Mm. comfort. And there's no growth unless you get out of that comfort zone, right? So you've got to overcome that fear, and you've got to go for it. And I just think your story probably just inspired more people than you can possibly imagine to go. Well, maybe I can just get out there and try this. And what's the worst thing that can happen? They tell you they didn't like happy birthday and move on. Hey, yeah, you know, but you got to get out there and try that. Right. And uh, it's just so inspiring, man. Well, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. uh, That affirmation. That means a lot to me. You know, I, I think sometimes we. I don't like the idea of. Well, let me frame this differently. I don't like to go with what I don't like. What mm-hmm. I do like is I like when people are open about their process and their journey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I like when people, um, when there's not this visage or this like idea that everything has been hunky-dory and it's just like, it's been magic. And right. mind you, I I, am, I have been on the receiving end of some incredible grace in my career. Like, like people who have, you know, when I didn't have a, a ticket, a plane ticket, like help me out and spotted me for a plane ticket so I could go to New York and take meetings when I, I didn't know how there was, it was like the universe was calling me one way and I didn't have the means to do it. And they made that, that happen for me. But I also think that there's so much value in, in the, the kind of the guts of a thing. Mm. And, and like, you know, it's, it's, um, 
because we, we don't have to Elizabeth Gilbert this she, she um there's this TED talk that she did I believe or it was a, a conversation she was having I think it was a TED talk um and she talked about uh people who move through the world curiously mm. and and as opposed to moving with and there's some people who wake up and are like they know what they're going to do from the time they're, they come out the womb and they're like, we all know people like that. Come out the womb, they're like, look, for sure, I'm going to be <laughs> an accountant. Mm-hmm. I love accounting. I'm going to be an accountant doing it. That's right. You know, but for me, that just wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I love that. I, 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 I didn't like it for a long time, but I've come to really embrace that mm-hmm. about my myself because it kind of keeps my eyes open to a lot of different things. I'm curious, mm-hmm. and um, I, 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 I found theater because of curiosity, and like that curiosity has sustained me in it, and it also creates space where the curiosity is the kind of the egg that begat this 54 Below show. Mm-hmm. I've never done anything like that before. That's, right. Talk about outside of my comfort zone and no evidence of I had a whole conversation with my vocal coach. My name is Doug Peck. We were uh, chatting... Um, before it, I was doing some vocal warm-ups, and he was just like, you know, because he also in the in the lessons he goes to the heart space as well, and he's like, so what are you feeling? What's going on right now? And I just started saying, I was like, well, you know, I don't know, I don't, I want to, I want to fly. What if I fall? What if I suck? What if I'm shit? What if I'm all of this stuff starts coming up, right? Right. And then I'm just, and then the thing that kind of breaks me is like, who am I? Like, who am I to be on 54? I, I know this stage. Like, I have friends who've been on this stage. I know the kind of people. Like, these are the people that normally do this. These are, you know, you know, these are people that I've seen on Broadway stages. These are, you know, people that I've worked with. You know, I, I have so much respect for them and for this space. Who am I to be there? Right. And I had this big question, and it kind of, I broke down, and he just was like, he said, "You're John fucking Clarence Stewart." And that was for me. It was so, it was so I, funny because I was just like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." But isn't that true? Isn't that true too? Though you have to get to the point with like you know being outside the comfort zone and all this kind of stuff. And you and like you posed the question, "Who am I now?" But then there comes that level where you have to believe and you have to know you belong on that stage. You, 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 you do belong there. You have the right to be there. You, all these people that you talk about, I've been there, I've seen them, I worked with them, I admire them, and all this. But you know what? I belong here too, and that's why I'm here. And I'm going. You know, you got to get into that mind space that that you deserve what's happening and and what's going on for you. And that's a very intimate setting for anybody who's not really familiar with it. I mean, you're pretty close up to the to the audience on that stage if you choose to be. It's very intimate. And um, what a way to just like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and I'm just gonna be right here with you. And like, that's amazing, man. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I, I appreciate it. I got to give credit where credit is due. My, my, my manager, Jane Berliner, she was like, I've been talking about writing a one-man show for a while. I was like, yeah. I really want to write a one-man show. I think it'd be way out of my comfort zone. I want to incorporate music and dance in it like I discovered in myself and Zoe's thing that I didn't know existed. Right. right. Wow. This is, this is also part of my instrument. I was like, I have to, I don't want to leave this in the background. I want to create with this. Mm. And 
she she pitched me for a show at 54 below and i don't know how the whole thing works out but she was like uh so i got a suggest i got a <laughs> like listen <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness she was like so 54 below and i was like you mean 54 below 54 below right yeah. like you mean like like is, is like, there another one like you know below below like you know like, like 54 above yeah right <laughs> right she was like and she was like no that one she said, no that one and i thought it was like 24 to 48 hours i was just like mulling it over, mulling mm. it over. and i was like um all the feelings started coming up and i realized i was like oh that's just fear mm-hmm that's just fear. Okay, so and and, and you know using that as uh, kind of uh, an arrow pointing in a direction of where I need to go, mm-hmm. and being like, I don't know, man. I, all of these, I don't know. Maybe it's not the right thing for me right now in my career. Blah 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 blah. All that <laughs> bullshit, right? And then being like, I, maybe I need to keep myself open. You ain't doing shit, bro. What are you like? Doing <laughs> and then like, so it's like, you know what? It's like. Like, you know what? Okay, so I'm, I'm afraid, which is why I need to do it. Mm-hmm. And when I said yes to it, it was like, okay, so how do I want this to look? And I was like, I I don't, I wanted it to be um, very, very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I love singing now. It's taken a long time for me to, to get to the place where I've accepted that and um, the kind of singing that I really, really enjoy and all of this stuff. So what I did was I made a list of all the songs that moved me, mm-hmm. all right? And uh, most of them, some of them were musical theater, most of them were not, just different kinds of songs. And then when my girlfriend and I were traveling to um, her friend's wedding in Vermont, we were driving from Boston to Vermont. Mm-hmm. On that drive, we just played song after song after song. And I was like, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. And then I started working with Doug and as I sang the songs, the ones that wanted to be in the show kind of made themselves known. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, oh, okay, these need to live in the show. And then it was finding the order of them. And uh, what kind of started bubbling up was, okay, all of these songs are like letters. They're like, these are, all of the songs are very much stories. Mm-hmm. They're super story driven. And they, the reason I love them is because they're very story driven. Yeah. And I was like, okay, with if these are letters, and even the, the night before the show, I was pacing around this apartment in Brooklyn I was staying in, and I was just like, going through this song, I was like, this is a letter. Who is this letter too? And like people started coming to mind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, oh wow, yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the words that I, the, the experience I wanted to create in the space, I was like, yo, I wanted to be, I wanted to feel like magic mm. and, and i told someone that and they looked at me like cool <laughs> <laughs> so how do you uh okay great that's a great esoteric whatever but like how do you make this and so you know with that is kind of the, the place that i was moving towards i was like in order to do anything it has to be specific Mm -hmm. it's the tenets of storytelling for me specificity makes it universal one Mm. and um i'm the person on the stage and so i have to have the courage to make it specific and the stories that i was drawn to were stories that um 
they 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 moved me and so i it was inherently very specific and in that trusting that you know you have the the audience is is that secret ingredient oh yeah right and when i'm in a space with them you know that you're in a space with them that's the moment where you realize where i realized you know working on it here working on it there daniel luton is my accompanist incredible the only fun fact my accompanist dropped out of the show a week and a half before oh shit. Oh. oh and then a bunch of people some zoe's cast were helping me out and some other folks were like you know trying to send me names 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 and this guy daniel rudin <clears throat> 23 young dude uh got on the phone with him and had a great conversation and i'm gonna give him his props yes i'm gonna do that so he asked me is there anything that you want to hear from me just so you can hear what i do and i was like you know what yeah there's a song called the waking by kurt elling um if you want to take a pass at that that'd be great i forgot that there's no sheet music to that song mm-hmm. that song is only i've only ever heard that song on played by a bass live or in a recording it's just a bass and card outing that's mm. it but there's no sheet music so i gave him basically an impossible task and within three hours he had come he had transposed it onto the piano and sent wow. me that and i was like holy fuck right. <laughs> yeah yeah you're and I was like okay and choose yeah i was like dude okay, and choose one song that you love and he shows both sides now by joni mitchell mm. and he did his thing with that and um on our phone call, I was like, I really want to make something special. I don't want to be personal. He said, I can hear that in the songs. And I got you. I'm, my my background is in jazz and improvisation. I do a lot of different things, but I'm, I'm okay moving in the moment. And that was really important to me. So when I flew to New York, I'm in LA. I flew there three days early, or four days early, a night before. The next day, I rehearsed with him for three and a half hours. Next day, we rehearsed for an hour. Next day, we rehearsed for an hour, then we did the sound check, then we did the show. Wow. Wow. So it was like, bop, 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 Right, bop. yeah. And I mean, he, he, he was mad. It was so, it was magic. It was beautiful. Like, we, we talked through all of the songs. I sang them. We found, we found our rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, so much of it was like playing, you know, it's like playing tennis with your friend on stage right and you know and it was it was alive and you know never the same each night which is something that i love for sure each night was even even the stories that came out were different and i just told him you know hey i was like do you know i mean before we went out there he said do you know what you want to say in between songs you should you have that down i was like yeah uh no (laughs) Um, (laughs) didn't even think about that shit no (laughs) no but like, there's the stories that have been coming up, right? As I've been singing the songs, and and what the thing that was I was really excited about was being in front of being on the stage in front of everyone, mm. and singing or about to go in, like transitioning into a song or finishing transitioning out of a song, and having the opportunity to communicate why it's there, and just sharing that, right? And you know, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to show them, right? I didn't want to go like, boom, 
wow. I even said in one of the performances, I was like, I didn't want to do jazz hands. That's what I said. I didn't want that. I wanted it to be like an invitation into me. Mm. And like, and that was, it. I felt like we did that. And it's one of the things that I'm most proud of. And I'm excited to do it again. I learned a lot about myself. I yeah. bet. Yeah, I can imagine with the transition with different songs. and But it's really great you being able to find your voice, find your singing voice, because let me just say, I love your singing voice. When we <laughs> fucking started watching Zoe's, because I was late to the game, I'm not going to lie. He got me on it. But when we started watching Zoe's, all of a sudden, man, like I was like, where has this guy been my whole life? <laughs> like, like, he is so fucking good at, like, everything. And, like, I didn't care. I didn't – everybody else in that house was Team Max. I was Team fucking Simon. No. <laughs> I, was, I just want you to know, bro, I was here for you. <laughs> we have to clarify, though, okay? Me, me and my kid, we, we were Team Max, but it had nothing to do with you. It just had to do with Max. <laughs> like, like, I just need to clarify that. We were rooting for you to get through. It wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. No, it wasn't personal. That's right. It was because it was, it was the characters. It was the no, right. It wasn't right. even like like all. That's funny though because you say that because like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm literally rooting for you to work through everything you're working through right. and get to where you need to be. But I'm hoping Max is going to be the guy. You know, it's all it's like hey, Simon is going to be fine when he figures his shit out. But Max, Max needs her. So, you know, that's Max is ready. That's Max right. Is ready. He's ready. He's ready. That's right. You like Simon? He's just not. He's you. He has a marathon to run. Right. Iron Man. Right. Yeah. Five of them. OK. He even- so settle this debate because we were literally talking about this before we went on with you. Like. Were you going to tell your fiance about the the feelings that you had or were you just going to let that slide? And because she figured it out. So like, but were you ever going to own up and be like, hey, this this kind of going on, you know, clear it up right now. Were you going to be honest with her? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I do think that was I do think that was going to be that. But I think it was it was going to be like my my fear for Simon was that it would he would he would do it, but it would be. it wouldn't be as oh, it wouldn't be as decisive as right, those things right, need to be. Right, like those things need to be. That needs to be clear, decisive. It needs to be for sure. Uh-huh. And I think Simon was so wanting to be the good guy. Yeah, right. right. Wanting to not be, not wanting to, you know, doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Right. That I don't think he would have made it as firm as it needed to be. Mm, yeah. And so the way that things happened in the story, I think, really, really works because there it's like you cross the Rubicon. There's no going back. Right. There's no, right. you know, um, which he needed in order to go on the journey of like exploring self and learning self and grieving, actually grieving without mm. worrying about the impact on the people around him in the same way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we have to talk about it because there were two songs that specifically stuck out to me. The Simon and Garfunkel song that you sang in the very first episode that was just like very heart touching. (laughs) And then the last ensemble song, American Pie. I Mm. mean, both of those like, oh, I cried so hard, man. Like, I mean, what was just Mm. that experience? Like one, you know, performing legendary songs and then two, performing with this cast that just every single person just knocked it out of the park. It was, I mean, it was unlike anything I've experienced. Yeah. It was, it was a singular moment, Mm. you know, 
I remember when we were shooting American Pie, I'll start there. We were shooting American Pie and doing the rehearsal and understanding that in order to get that wonder, there were so many things that had to go right. Right. The crew, it was it was like the, one of those moments on set moments on set where everybody's always working incredibly hard. Right. right. But it was one of those moments where as an actor, you're looking at the entire machine doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Right. To execute, to execute what happens inside of a frame. Mm. Right. It's it's so magical because and so watching the Warner kind of take shape and then looking back, I remember we we did a take and everyone felt it. Everyone was like, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. And then we obviously did another one. For sure. <laughs> yeah. One. yeah. But you know, yeah. Yeah. You know. And then I remember we, we all went, we all went to video village and we sat down and we're like, we're all watching it. And we, were, we were all crying. We were, and I was so good about it for me as well as that my little brother was visiting me on that day. And so, um, he was able to be there and be in video village and like, watch it all happen and be, you know, a part of that mm. moment. Yeah, And I think that it was so, you know, it was, it was so special because of, for me, the, the, the soul of the show, right? Um, you know, Mitch, just the soul of the show, like, yeah, yeah. When, like, and being able to honor that moment and kind of the kind of hollow feeling that happens after someone transitions and everybody's experience of all of the life things that are happening as mm-hmm. well it was it was it was, it was masterful storytelling man and oh, there's no sure. there's no two ways to put that it's just and it was so ambitious which mm-hmm. was it's the, it's the why we do what we do you you, you want to be a part of something that's taking a big swing yeah and sure. that yeah. felt like a big fucking swing mm-hmm. and it paid off man I, oh i just yeah yeah well and i'm so hoping like that. i said I'm hoping Roku. I mean, it was the the Christmas one was a massive success for them. You know, the the, the yes. everybody's watching the old episodes with the. I hope that they just realize this is something that need we need to come back to and continue. Right? Uh, it, it's just it, it like you said, it's masterful, and and we need to see more of it. I want to though talk because of what you said at the beginning of the interview and about your 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 upbringing and and the ideology and the struggles and everything that you went through. P Valley and, and and your character on P Valley because we talk about all the time now mental health and how important it is and how sometimes overlooked it is and that storyline with your character and and the mental health aspect of it and then the adding on to it being a black man and then potentially the mm-hmm. the, the the homosexual aspect to it about maybe not knowing the the love of the or the relationship that he has talk about that a little bit about the character mm-hmm. and the storyline cuz we're getting tight on time and then you in real because this is an industry that's like built on literally you know selection or rejection and mental health is key mm-hmm. so talk about your challenges there as well if you can as quickly as you can <laughs> I know that was a well, lot no i so what well, well, no, it's all good. Let's go. So for me, mental health is a, very much a part of my life. I lost my dad when I was 19. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, my, I have, I, I, there's a, there are these moments I have, I, I have been through some really dark valleys and I'm familiar with the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. um, and some of the things that Teak went through um, and some of the places where his mind went, they're not foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so there's, there's that. And I think that one thing that I have that he didn't have is tools. I've been in therapy and, and had like, I have resources right. and tools and like, 
people to help me put language around the things that I'm moving through. And I think that that's why, one, it's why stories are so important. And stories like Teaks are so important because sometimes there are people who are, who have lived experiences like him mm-hmm. or lived experiences that are shades of his mm-hmm. that don't see themselves, that don't see, um, there's no language to put around the thing they're experiencing in the world. They just, that it just doesn't feel true. Mm-hmm. So there's no kind of acknowledgement outside of themselves. And so um, I felt honored to play Teak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a challenge. It was one of the most um, difficult things because I knew it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done because I, I knew that he was going to be there for a limited time. I knew that, that when I signed on. Mm-hmm. I knew that he wasn't going to be there, but I didn't know how he was going to go. And I was actually shooting Zoe's story in Christmas when I read the final episode. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So I was in the trailer getting ready to go in and shoot my last scene for that while I read that. And I bawled. I broke down. Yeah. Fuck. The mental aspect of that. (laughs) You're shooting Zoe's Christmas and you read the script that Teek's killing himself. That that alone must have just been, what the fuck? Like... Bro, I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Story, showrunner, writer, genius, and I was like, yo, what the? Fuck? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yo, what the? I was like, this is, I was like, this is, in, this is incredible. Like, yeah. As an, and also as an actor, you, I'm still relatively young in my career, mm-hmm. right? And uh, to be able to go through an arc like that in those episodes, a finite amount of time but Teak gets to go through all of the highs and all of the lows mm-hmm. of being human in that time. That's such a gift. Right. And I find that um, the people's experience of watching the show really mirrors the experience of those who have lost people. Yeah. Like his, his, his end was so abrupt. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I kept hearing was, but he had so much more life to live. I wish he was there. He had so much more. He had, there was so much more. There was so much more. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is when that happens yeah. when suicide happens when um and the fact that there was a lot of light in him um but not many people around him knew what was going on inside that's also very true so i just wanted to honor that and mm. the places where the writers katori she loved the character she knew what she wanted to do with him and she she entrusted me with him and she she just knew she wanted i needed to be able to go all the way and I feel like we did that. And I, a lot of credit to J. Alphonse, incredible actor that I was out acting opposite the majority of the time. It was a joy. I know him from New York and it was just a joy to work with him. It's a, I love what I do, man. I love yeah. being an oh, actor. Yeah. And I mean, dude, you know? I, you're like, like I said, only have seen you for a short period of time, but you've become quickly one of my favorite actors. And I mean, just everything that you've been doing has been knocking it out of the park. So we just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. We would love to have you back on literally oh, sure. whenever. Um, we're always down for an open conversation. <laughs> um, but man, like a fucking time. I hate I, I know. Um, I hate the time constraint. Yeah, but thank you so it's much. Thank you so much. Again, open invite, man. I Anytime mean, you ever want to come back on, we got you. you. You know, you said a gift. This interview was a gift. Yes. Honestly, for us, for our listeners, I think that what you do and how you inspire and, and just the way you live your life and present yourself to the people and, and what it, it's a true gift. Uh, every single part of it and we're just blessed to have had you on man seriously thank you so much that means a lot to me i thank you so much for having me oh my 
goodness, oh my gracious, that goes down in my top five best interviews we've ever had. Uh, I same. I mean, there, there's just no denying it. I mean, what an inspiration! Like, I, I, I mean, I was just like, like feeling it from the inside. Like, like every word he was saying, I was just hanging on it. it it's like that's the kind of guy that you want out there in the world, and mm-hmm. and and just like delivering his message and showing people how it's done i mean that's the kind of guy that does yeah exactly man exactly those are the type of role models that that should be put in that position that can inspire others like put a positive message out there and just bring forth that energy that helps people continue moving forward because i mean you know there's so much stuff in the world that is dark and nasty and but I mean, when you have that light in somebody that you can tell that they're a good person, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and 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 I think the thing I took the most away from that interview is that because of his light, because of like what you said in the way that he, it, I think his message was very clear that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything the way you think it should be, and you can still be a huge success and make a difference in the world. And I think I think he proves that. Exactly, and the same with not being in your comfort zone. It's yep. good to get outside of your comfort zone. But man, oh man, thank you again, John Clarence Stewart, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the Top 5 segment, and this week it is heroines. Yes. That is not heroin, not like... We're talking about females who make huge impacts on our life, and these are females that we personally look up to. So it's very important for this to get passed along because it is females' time to shine, man. Yes. So we need to give them their recognition. Number five goes to, for me, goes to Kamala Harris. That mean, come on now. The first woman, the first woman of color, like the first interracial woman to hold the highest freaking one of the highest um powers of the land come on i mean the way that she's able to talk to the younger people and especially the younger women of color the younger women in general to inspire them to be what she is if not more every single day i think that's very important especially for this country who you know a lot of men still treat women like shit so they need to know in their hearts they need to have somebody that they can look up to so that they can overcome hard times and become someone great because it's inside of all of us you just have to choose to work towards that greatness facts i mean i can't argue about anything you just said there that's all laid it out perfectly uh my number five is along those same same lines i'm talking about ruth bader ginsburg i mean in the modern era if you're a woman and you have any significant rights it's probably because of her this woman was outstanding in leading the cause for women uh appearing before the supreme court numerous times before becoming a member of the supreme court um she's just a phenomenal woman who inspired many both men and women to do the right thing and she did not back down and i think the one thing that i admire most about ruth bader is that she respected the other side yeah if you didn't agree with her you know it was okay she she uh, she respected your opinions and she compromised and she got along and i think there's not nearly enough of that anymore and and i miss her dearly for that alone um Beyond inspiring, I think just as at not only what she did for women's rights and for the legal system and for everything that she did on the Supreme Court, but just as a human being to inspire people to live your life 
the right way and not back down and not give in and stand up for what you believe in, but yet also compromise and respect others in the process. And I mean, I think she was like so key at proving that and showing that to everybody. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Number four for me goes to Shonda Rhimes. You guys know we're writers. We love writing our own projects. So, of course, she is going to be on one of our lists. Um, <laughs> I, Of course, not just Grey's Anatomy, but I read her book, uh, The Year of Yes, with her like completely changing her mindset and her outlook on life, trying to power through and say yes to a lot of things, yes to a lot of different opportunities. And I think that takes a lot of courage and a lot of power within oneself to do to overcome one's uncomfortability and vulnerability and all of these different things and in that book she talks about you know substance abuse and a whole bunch of like mental health struggles that she had um, while in the early years of Grey's Anatomy so I thought it was only fitting to put her on this list because she is definitely someone I look up to in multiple ways that is not just writing she is uh, just someone who I feel like paved the way for a lot of women writers, women show creators, women show runners, and everybody who is breaking into the entertainment industry that wants to put their foot down and listen, this is my show, this is my vision, you're not changing it. So I think that is very inspiring. So that's why she's on my list. Shonda Rhimes. For sure. And uh, my number four, and I guess we could just do my number four and your number three at the same time. You knew she was on our list. There was no way she was not on our list. Come on. Oprah. 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 Her story, her path to get to where she is today, you know, coming from the like one of the poorest areas in Mississippi, the sexual abuse, all of the stuff she went through in her childhood, working her way up, the 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 not getting the advantages of um, you know, in the workplace and having to prove herself in the workplace over and over and over and over. Uh, and then taking the heat after proving herself over and over and over and over, being called a bitch and being called this and that because she was a powerful woman and stood up for herself and how she transpired all of that and took all of that to become the woman that she is now it how can that not be inspiring to so many individuals women men just everybody um she is literally a movement in yeah. my opinion i mean just like what she does what she's done what she continues to do it's unbelievable for people. Completely it, agree. It, it just, it, it, she's, she's that woman that, you know, if you want something done, go to Oprah because she's going to get it done. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, going back and watching her, you know, the older stuff, like her original stuff, when the Oprah Winfrey show first came out and she was having like these town hall meetings with yeah. all of these different walks of life and just having conversations, passing the microphone to everybody and it being like this open dialogue and even if you know she didn't like what you were saying you still had you know your place where you could say it and you could have a conversation mm -hmm. i thought that was very inspiring and very enlightening to see and i uh, i read uh, one of her books one that she wrote before about her life and coming from you know her being a news anchor and her just not having any confidence in herself and being you know a drug user not a lot of people know that she was doing some hardcore drugs before yeah. and but now to overcome that and be one of these most notable women in history 
I would say. I mean, the name Oprah, I feel like, is known globally. So, I mean, she is so inspiring to young women, so inspiring to black women, so inspiring to everyone, in my opinion. So, of course, she's on our list. Yeah. I mean, I agree. She's a brand. Yeah. She is a brand. And she, believe me, she is an influencer because when she speaks, people listen. And there have been plenty of politicians, uh, world leaders. People listen to Oprah. It's fact. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. All right. My number three is Autumn Reeser. You know her. You love her. The actress. And um, she's just um, she's on my list because she's an extremely inspirational person in my life. Uh, during a very difficult time in my life, she kind of helped me come out of that and guide me along with her own path. Um, just following her on social media and seeing her path and what she was going through in life and how she approached it and how she kind of changed her way of thinking. It altered my way of thinking and got me on a path to where literally everything from that moment has changed in my life. Um, it's amazing what just little things can do as far as the way you think or, or, or the way you don't think or what you expect or what you don't expect and what you think should be but shouldn't be. Um, all of that plays a role in mental health and your stability and your happiness. And she has been a huge part of, of making me see that and changing the course of things that I was doing in different ways to make me succeed. Um, follow her on social media. If you don't, you'll see what I'm talking about. She's extremely inspirational. She's always got a positive post. She's always trying to show the light and shine the light on other people and, and make their journey successful is not just as hers, but yours as well. Uh, phenomenal. She's just a phenomenal person. She's very inspirational, and give her a follow. For sure, for sure. Number two for me goes to Rosa Parks. I mean, this one shouldn't have any explanation. Mm. I mean, during that whole civil rights era, she was definitely someone who stood up for a black woman's rights, a black person's lives, and being able to, you know, no, I'm not going to get up. I worked all day, too. I also deserve the right to fucking sit here. So, I mean, just that. I mean, come on now. Her paving the way for other activists, young woman activists who are able to show their voice now. I think that's very important. She was definitely one of the first ones to, you know, voice everything and to be a part of the civil rights movement. I feel like everybody from that era is so influential to everybody who is doing their part now so that's why she's on my list number two rosa Parks. for sure i mean many people credit her as the start of the modern day civil rights era i mean and and rightfully so i yeah. mean without her without that event who knows you know but um yeah whew, what an incredible woman for real um speaking of an incredible woman my number two is going to my mom polly bergman um you know, we don't always see eye to eye, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we have some back and forth sometimes, but this incredible woman who has seen a lot and lived a lot in life and um, just somehow is still kicking and still managing to, to find ways to be happy and live life to her fullest and do what she wants to do with never yielding. Um, this is a woman who at a young age lost her husband and she had three young kids and was forced to give up the career that she always wanted to raise these three kids um, on her own um, and did so successfully, sometimes having to work multiple jobs to take care of us, but never did we go without and not have the things that we needed and or wanted. And um, it, it was an incredible journey seeing her do that and an amazing strength 
And I don't even know how she gets through it. And at the end of all that, she lost one of us. She lost her youngest son, my brother. Um, and she got through that, which I don't, I, I can't even, I still deal with it every, every day somehow and, and still have to kind of deal with things like that. Um, how she's able to survive what she's been able to survive and get through what she's been able to get through and somehow still find the happy things in life and find the good in life when all the crap has been dumped on you is extremely inspirational to me. And I'm sure to a lot of people in my family and all the people that know her, um, she's just a genuine proof that no matter what life throws at you, no matter how bad it gets, you can still come out of it. You can still survive and you can still be happy. And uh, that's the way to approach it. So my number two, my mom, definitely one of the strongest women I know for sure. For sure, man. And number one for me is also my mother, Connie Hanna. She is an amazing woman. I, just everything she was able to do, you know, she was also providing for three kids the majority of the time by herself. She did everything she could, you know, whether that be things that were proper or improper. But man, oh man, she's a badass woman. And everything that I've been able to accomplish become and achieve is because of her and my stepfather Levi so I feel like you know what she was able to do and who she was able to bring in my life like affected me for the good for the rest of my life and the lessons I've learned from her are instrumental then I will pass on along to my future children and I think you know with everything that we all go through, whether that be health struggles, mental health struggles, anything like that, we all learn and adapt and, you know, grow as human beings. And that's that's what I've learned from her. I've learned how to grow and not be the same person you were five years ago, a year ago, 20 years ago. Always be adapting, always be learning, and always be able to change your mind if you want to, and just to continue moving forward and be as happy as you can be, even though we're all a little fucked up, but you know, it's okay to <laughs> not be okay. And that is definitely what I learned from my mother. So that's why she's my number one. Yes. Well, anybody who knows me knew that this was most definitely going to be my number one. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No way around it. The single greatest heroine in my life. The most inspirational person in my life. The one I do everything for. The one that changed my life the second I found out she was coming. My daughter, Emily. She is the single greatest woman I know uh, the way she attacks life every single day, the things that she has overcome in her young life and continues to just thrive. I could not be more proud of this young woman. I, I as her father, am supposed to be trying to inspire her and guide her and, and get her through things, but she <laughs> has inspired me and guided me and gotten through me through so many things in life just by the way she is and the way she does things and the way she approaches things. She's so genuine and so caring, sometimes to a fault, God bless her, um, never thinks of anybody but, uh, you know, other people. She never puts herself first, uh, ever, um, you know, and, and needs to sometimes, God bless her soul. Um, but she's just simply the greatest person I know. And, and like, I can't imagine life without her. Um, I just think she's an amazing, amazing young woman who makes me so proud every single day and inspires me every single day and keeps me on track every single day. And, um, uh, yeah, my number one, <laughs> and this guy kind of fond of her too, I think. 
She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. <laughs> Emily, my number one. Yes, guys, yes. Who is your number one female heroine? Or just heroine. Because, you know, we know that it's a female. Yeah. <laughs> so please let us know. Comment below. Just give us a nice little rundown of who that person is in your life. We love it. We love it. Yes. Now, the box office recap, like we told you about in the industry news. Don't worry, Darling did come at number one with 19.4. Number two was The Woman King with 11 million. Number three was Avatar with 10.5. And number four was Barbarian with 8 or 4.8. Mm-hmm. And number five was See How They Run was 1.9 million. There you go. Uh, new movies coming out this weekend. Anvil, Amsterdam, Smile, which looks pretty creepy. Bros, which looks pretty funny. And Vesper. Which yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Now, of course, Amsterdam was limited release this weekend. Comes out in October seventh. Uh, so coming up next weekend, uh, Smile guys, from what we're understanding, is going to lead the box office this weekend. Creepy it looks as fuck. pretty creepy. Yeah, I'm just I mean, saying <laughs> it really does. But people like a smile. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> movies you can still go see right now: Pearl, Bullet Train. Definitely oh, go see Bullet yes. Train. Uh, that made its way into my top five Brad Pitt movies of all time. To be honest, and cracked a hundred million dollars domestically finally so yes yeah. we love it uh dc league of super pets which is on hbl max now if you don't want to go anywhere uh <laughs> top gun maverick minions rise of Gru. Mm-hmm. so be sure to check all those out imdb pros top trending segment oh man the top trending movie was don't worry darling i'm betting a majority of that was because of the controversy For and sure. i'm sure a lot of people saw it i wonder if blonde's gonna be next week but, uh, uh, inter- yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Top trending TV show is House of the Dragon. Uh, and the top trending star is Millie Alcock. Man. Yeah, Stan, like, it's, <laughs> It makes me so sad because I got so attached to her as the character. But they did say they were thinking about, you know, doing flashbacks to where they could bring back these two characters. And so we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. I, I will say the first initial episode with the new actors they were badass. They, sure. I mean, they did some really good stuff. So <coughs> continue and moving forward. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for <coughs> getting crazy with You're us. You're good. You're I good. don't know. He's getting uh, choked up about I, Millie, man. I, he uh, really misses her. I do. Like. <laughs> I do. Um, for watching in, Inside the Crazy Ant Farm and listening, of course, to 208. Yes. Be sure to follow John Clarence Stewart yes. on all social media. Thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. It was such a fun conversation. Be sure to follow him. Like I said, you can follow the company on social media at Crazy Ant Media. Follow the podcast on social media at ItGap Podcast. And follow us both personally on social media at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. And when I say social media, I mean all social media. Seriously. We're everywhere TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Shit. I mean, we. Pinterest. Yeah, Pinterest. I mean, like. Podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hey, we appreciate you. Be sure to hit that like button on the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for yes. all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. Yes. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got everything for you, and you can also check out our film deadlines on our website as well. All the good stuff, man. All the good stuff. But 
there was a lot of good stuff to talk about in this show. Yeah, to be man. honest, I mean, of course, the most exciting thing I feel like we're both most excited about is Hugh Jackman. We love Hugh. Okay, yes. we love Hugh. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's gonna be so good. And to see, I feel like. Fucking Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool are going to pull so many comedic moments out of Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. It's going to be so good. Oh, and then yet it's probably going to be some of the most epic fight scenes that we've ever seen because Wolverine is going to be Wolverine. Yeah. So how they're going to blend that together is going to just be unreal. And I made a very bold statement and I am sticking to it. If we do indeed see... Hugh Jackman, finally see him in the suit, it could become, if not the biggest, one of the biggest MCU films of all time. I think it's going to be huge. And clarify, he's talking about the brown and yellow suit, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the one that they showed at the end of, you know, that, that that never made it into the film, but the one that was in the suitcase that they showed in The Wolverine, that sh- that was going to be in The Wolverine, um, that's the one I want to see him in. But if it's the blue and yellow one, whatever, as long as it's the costume and he's in it. We need something that's actually, like, comic book accurate. Yeah, or oh fucking, my gosh. Like, X-Men, the animated series. Yeah, I mean, I it's going to be... It's going to be so epic. I mean, you see how, like, he's got exposed arms, and you see how jacked he gets when he's wolvy. I mean, that, with the costume, that shit is going to be And he's so already bad. started. If you're yeah. following on social media, he already started working oh, yeah. out. Like, I love it, though. I love it. Hopefully, he doesn't push himself too much, but, you know, it's so good. So Just good. one time for Ryan. One Just time one time for, for Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, of course, you know, we got to dedicate this show to the one, the only, Oprah!